Catherine Hepburn once said, and let's do it. As one goes through life, one learns that if you don't paddle your own canoe, yes, I love it. you don't move. Let me give you that pose one more time. It's like you can either allow the swallows of the valley to sweep you away or ride the winds of wisdom to unexpected heights. Either way, destiny is within your touch. Can I play? Yes. You're a real princess. The evolution of ownership of our voices a must. So, so keep going. Don't be stressed. More of the shape. More. Keep moving. And give yourself a yes. To blossom in any space. Throughout time and remain undefined. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to season two of Undefined with Josina Anderson. Uh, definitely looking forward to another rollout of this show, but you can still catch me on the crew with my co-host, Morris Chestnut, Brian Erlacher, Josh Norman, Derek Augustine, and also Fred Smoot. Still Sunday at 730s and Tuesdays on 830 as well. You can also download the show on the USA Today app, which you can get on your television as well. But without further ado, let's go straight into the NFL Insider Report. Okay, so let's quickly talk about it. The big news of today, well, obviously there's a lot of things that were big, but one of them, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, news that I reported earlier this morning that he was excused uh, from practice with the Cleveland Browns. That was unexpected as Odell Beckham Jr., per league source, was prepared to come into practice as usual. And so let's kind of talk about the circumstances that led up to where we are right now. Obviously, there were events that led up to the NFL trade deadline that were not necessarily uh, received well. That also included the release of the video from Odell Beckham Jr.'s uh, father on his Instagram. That was a repost of a video that was already on YouTube. Obviously, Odell did not do that himself. And, you know, just the conversations that led to uh, a potential trade that obviously did not happen as well, just trying to see, doing the due diligence of the organization as to whether you could get uh, value for their star wide receiver that would um, make you feel good about trading uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And clearly that did not happen. But also it's very clear that, that there is a... Um, you know, a deterioration of a relationship here to a certain extent, 
just from the standpoint of on the football field, you've already heard from Odell Beckham Jr. acknowledging that he would like the ball more. And even Baker Mayfield said there's always room for improvement when it comes to uh, communication. And as with any relationship, you know, there are things that contribute to it not being where it should be. You know, I would just take a guess, you know, whether it has to do with, you know, times where the two could have connected in the offseason in practice or just how things have been regarded when either of them have been injured and things like that. But at any less, you know, the idea for them coming together is to connect better, right? And to have more production on the football field. And one thing that we can definitely point to is the game against the Steelers in which Odell Beckham Jr. had one catch for six yards on one target. And that's obviously not uh, parallel to the production that you saw him have in the first three years that he was with the New York Giants when he was averaging over 1,300 yards. So something has to give. And clearly this is a team that was able to get to the divisional round um, without OBJ after he had the ACL injury uh, last year as far as the game against the Chiefs. However, they were not able to advance without their elite wide receiver. And so therein lies the rub. You know, you're able to progress from not winning games to getting into the playoffs, but the ultimate goal is to win the championship and assessing what it is that you need to take that final step because that also did not happen. So my understanding is that there's supposed to be uh, you know, a conversation, you know, per conversations that I have had uh, with Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and the Browns leadership, specifically uh, general manager Andrew Barry. Um, and we'll just see where things end up from there as far as the status. Obviously, uh, both uh, parties will have their takeaways on how that meeting goes. And we'll just see how that ends up. But, you know, make sure that you keep it locked on Undefined with Josina Anderson, also my Twitter and the crew, as we will continue to give you updates on this situation. Time now for the Undefined with Josina Anderson interview. We are now pleased to welcome in Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy, representative of Illinois' 8th Congressional District. Thank you for joining me on Undefined with Josina Anderson. Hey, thank you so much, Josina. So first and foremost, I want you to tell me what or who compelled uh, you and Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, who is obviously the chair of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, uh, of which you are obviously a member, to just begin the inquiry on the NFL's investigation into the workplace culture of the Washington football team. Well, there are a few things. One is the underlying uh, sexual harassment that created a really toxic workplace uh, at the Washington football team. Secondly, the manner in which the investigation was handled by the NFL, it raised a lot of eyebrows. Um, I think one of the things that caught everyone's attention is the fact that the NFL apparently told the lead investigator, a former federal prosecutor, not to write anything down. Don't write anything down, despite the fact that she had reviewed something like 650,000 documents as part of the investigation and, and had countless interviews with different witnesses. And then the third is the use of these non-disclosure agreements, Josina. Um, these non-disclosure agreements, especially as we found out in the Me Too era, are normally used to silence victims. And the problem is that when you silence the victims, uh, you do two things. One, the predators, the sexual predators, um, uh, don't go, don't are not held accountable, and then they're left to strike again, and they often do. 
So, you know, the Washington Post obviously first released their report in July of 2020, in which they uh, just detailed the accounts of 15 women saying they expressed sexual harassment. And then after that, a month later, uh, they detailed another report that um, just talked about uh, the allegations against Larry Michael, who was the broadcaster for the team at the time and a senior vice president, um, allegedly ordering a lewd video to be created for Snyder for a cheerleader. And obviously, Snyder and Michael uh, deny those allegations. Michael is no longer with the team. They've since made a lot of changes since then. But I'm just curious, based on what's out there now, even prior to you guys having a formal discussion with the NFL, what is just your overall impression of the Washington football culture, just based on the reports that are out there? Disturbing, distressing, uh, is revolting. Um, I think that, you know, what what's really troubling is that, unfortunately, we don't really know uh, what the NFL found during its investigation and why did they end up doing what they did? Um, as you know, Dan Snyder, uh, the owner of the team, was implicated in some of this conduct, uh, and yet he was not personally held accountable in any way. So there are a lot of outstanding questions. So when you consider the fact that the NFL, though, did issue the fine of $10 million, obviously his wife, uh, Tanya, has taken over day-to-day -day operations. But in your mind, why is that enough? Well, I think that- Or the, not enough, the, rather. Mm -hmm. I understand. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we have to look at the evidence. We have to look at the documents to see what exactly happened. But- if, if I might just uh, point out one other thing, which is that, you know, the NFL is a unique workplace. It's one that's um, probably one of the most visible workplaces in the nation, and it powerfully influences the way that men and boys think about sexual harassment, uh, the way that employers even think about sexual harassment. And again, I think that if we really want to have safe workplaces, we need to make sure that uh, what happened at the Washington football team doesn't happen again, and that the way it was investigated was done properly. Um, but at this point, we just can't answer the question sufficiently to our satisfaction that the $10 million fine uh, of the football team, not of the owner, not of any uh, other personnel actions directly related to the owner uh, or other personnel is, um, is sufficient at this time. And after the NFL released um, its press release on the discipline that it was administering on Daniel Snyder, Lisa Field, who's the NFL special counsel for investigation, said Beth Wilkerson, a former federal prosecutor, obviously tasked with this investigation, did not file the written report, obviously gave the oral reports, as you mentioned. Just per your experience, how unusual is that? I, I've not heard of this type of practice. Um, in almost every instance of sexual harassment, uh, usually the investigation involves a written report. And in a lot of cases, such as with a sports team, they'll even release it to the public. Just take my hometown hockey team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Recently, uh, there was sexual harassment uh, committed against one of its players. Um, the Blackhawks uh, basically issued a a report of more than 100 pages detailing the findings and leading to certain consequences uh, for different players and or for certain officials with the team. And, um, and yet in this particular case with, with the Washington football team, none of that happened. 
So when you also consider the fact that even to, according to a report for the Sports uh, Illustrated uh, publication that the NFL has 243 pages on Tom Brady and Deflategate, 144 on Richie Incognito and Bullygate, and 96 pages on Ray Rice, that is uh, definitely extraordinary. And particularly when they also had the incident with Jim Ursay, Jerry Richardson, and owner uh, Robert Kraft. But I definitely also want to ask you, uh, before we get into your specific request that you put in the letter with uh, Representative Carolyn Maloney, just what also was your impression uh, of the some of the content that came out of the 650,000 emails that they collected as part of this investigation, which included an email uh, reportedly, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, by John Gruden, in which he called uh, NFL union executive DeMaurice Smith, uh, Demaris Smith has lips the size of Michelin tires and what that reflects on the NFL just culture and uh, way that uh, people of color are regarded in the league. Well, I'm, I'm deeply disturbed. You know, as a person of color, I'm offended by that type of talk, that type of um, language. It has no place anywhere in any dialogue. But unfortunately, it's sometimes become normalized. You know why? Because people are willing to tolerate it. And one of the things that happened with regard to uh, that chain of emails that I'm focused on is uh, apparently Jeff Pash, the general counsel of the NFL, was part of the correspondence chain. And yet he was then, um, I think he, was part of this correspondence. Um, he had uh, exchanges with Bruce Allen of the Washington football team, which uh, are, are, in my opinion, inappropriate. And yet he was the one who was asked or tasked with leading the investigation of the Washington football team's sexual harassment episodes. And so it's just deeply troubling uh, all the way around. And I think the Washington football team uh, is probably um, you know, evidence A for uh, what we still need to do in our culture and society with regard to sexual harassment. But do you also think that there is a wider problem, particularly when you consider the fact that the New York Times later released a report after the Wall Street Journal, further just kind of exemplifying more emails that came out uh, in which there were remarks that were homophobic, misogynistic, including some about the commissioner, Eric Reid, who also protested with uh, Colin Kaepernick as well. Um, is there a larger uh, statement here to be made about the workplace uh, culture in the National Football League in general and the employees? Possibly, but I, I want to see the documents first. I want to see what they say and how this type of behavior was either condoned or uh, punished. Um, certainly, I think what really bothers us uh, or bothers people like me as we try to legislate rules and regulations and laws governing workplace safety is that this type of behavior was so pervasive, especially on the Washington football team, and it was allowed to go, um, you know, basically unpunished or unchecked uh, for a long period of time, and it affected so many employees. Well, what's also curious to me is the timeline that they seem to illuminate in the report from the Wall Street Journal, in which they said, quote, earlier this week, the executives presented a summary of that review to Goodell. That was the week prior to the report coming out. The league added that it is sharing emails pertaining to Gruden with the Raiders. So what I'm just curious is, what do you think about the timing of the NFL commissioner 
of the National Football League after all of these emails have been collected, 650,000 reported that he just received the summary about it a week before the Wall Street Journal report came out. Uh, do, one, what do you think of that? And two, is that appropriate timing for the commissioner to be finding out some contents that have to do with things like this? Well, you raise a very good question, and that's why we need to see this correspondence. Um, you know, I think that the fact that, you know, Mr. Goodell at this point uh, seems to say that, or the reports are that he didn't know about uh, the investigation at the time that it was conducted or the summary of it, um, it's just, uh, it's, it's disturbing. I mean, this is the type of behavior that you would think would want to be, you, you'd want the highest levels to scrutinize, be aware of, and then take appropriate action. But again, I want to see the documents. I want to see the information so, so that we can really get to the heart of what happened and what didn't happen. Have you guys had an opportunity to talk to uh, some of the cheerleaders involved in um, you know, the investigation? Obviously, there's an attorney, uh, two attorneys, two females who are also involved in representing these women as well, um, as just as far as your um, review of the situation up through this point. Um, not yet, Josina. Mm -hmm. um, we've actually been contacted by a number of individuals um, who want to come forward with additional information, information that presumably has not been reported or uh, disclosed yet. Um, and so we're trying to sift through um, all of these uh, different uh, sources of potentially new material. But um, right now we're kind of focused on the NFL and trying to get their information uh, through their voluntary cooperation. So when you have things like this detailed in the emails, as far as this type of language, obviously the allegations that have surfaced in both Washington Post reports and the reports subsequent you know, to this, um, what potentially are the legal implications here um, or just you know, the ones that you're trying to review with respect to how this investigation was conducted and the fact that no written report was uh, attributed afterwards and the fact that you know, according to reports, there were uh, collections of non-disclosure agreements as a result of um, you know, assessing the situation as well? Yeah, very good question. I think that um, we're gonna have to think through uh, you know, the fact that they're using these non-disclosure agreements so much to basically silence victims might mean that we may need to put some uh, legislation or rules or regulations in place with regard to this particular issue, especially in sexual harassment cases, uh, because they have really proliferated. Um, the way in which it has been investigated uh, at the workplace, in this case, uh, the Washington football team, and the fact that it hasn't been documented raises another question about what is necessary uh, in this type of investigation. And then lastly, um, you know, the NFL enjoys a special privilege under the law, namely its antitrust exemption. Congress bestows that antitrust, antitrust exemption on the NFL. And in return, we expect the NFL and other teams that are leagues that enjoy that exemption to act at least in part in the public interest. And so we'll be scrutinizing whether they did in this instance, um, as well as all of those other questions too. 
So if you could just illuminate a, a little bit more clearly, and we have a few questions and obviously we'll wrap you up here, but if you could just illuminate a little bit more clearly for the audience exactly as part of this letter inquiry that you have with Representative Maloney, what exactly are you looking for from the NFL in which uh, that letter also contains a deadline of November 4th? We're basically asking for all documents, information, emails, uh, related to the investigation of the Washington football team. That is the uh, extent of the investigation at this point uh, in as simple a terms as I can put it. And have you received any compliance from the National Football League up through this point? It is November 3rd. Not yet. Okay, and uh, given the said deadline, could you kind of detail for us what is the follow-up process on November 4th uh, as far as receiving the said um, materials from this request and or if you do not receive the materials? Well, I really hope, Jacina, that they voluntarily cooperate. Most parties to these types of investigations do. And in fact, in my experience on the Oversight Committee, uh, most parties cooperate with the Oversight Committee. All that being said, uh, Congress does have tools at its disposal to compel the production of documents and even live testimony. Um, but as I said, I really hope that the NFL complies voluntarily. Um, that would enable us to uh, review these documents and get some questions answered quicker than otherwise. You know, the NFL community has a lot of smart people as far as the fans, the media, and what have you. And I, I've heard you say this statement a few times when you're talking about that Congress has the tools to compel certain things from the National Football League. Could you just be a little bit more specific as to what those tools are? Well, I, I think that um, it's fair to say, probably your audience already knows this, but mm -hmm. you know, Congress has the ultimate tool, subpoena power mm -hmm. to basically, uh, you know, make uh, witnesses comply. Mm -hmm. um, and in this particular case, um, you know, we have a situation that's clearly within the public interest and within our legislative purposes of trying to create safer workplaces. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, this information is fair game for the public through its representatives in Congress to learn at this point in time. And based on the exemptions that you described that the NFL has and obviously the NFL's uh, commissioner's power in the league as far as presiding over certain matters, uh, what is your uh, opinion about the latitude or the amount of power that uh, Roger Goodell has and or the NFL with regards to how it handles its own investigations? I don't know the answer yet. I I'd like to learn more by reviewing the documents and information they produce um, that will help to kind of enlighten us more uh, to be able to answer that question properly. And then lastly, I would also like to ask you, you know, you mentioned uh, being able to work around uh, set exemptions with certain tools or what have you. Uh, what is your ultimate goal of what you're trying to accomplish with this in investigation and um, just your expectation of the level of compliance or not that you'll get from the National Football League with regards to meeting that end? Well, I'm hoping that they're going to comply. I hope they'll voluntarily cooperate. Um, so that's my expectation. Um, with regard to what we're trying to get at is, at the end of the day, Justina, we need to have a safe workplace for everybody, regardless of who they are, what gender they are, 
where they come from, the color of their skin, and so forth. And as I said before, you know, the NFL is unique in that, you know, millions, tens of millions of people scrutinize everything that happens in the NFL. I'm a football fan myself, uh, although, uh, you know, on some Sundays I'm a little happier than others. But, but the <laughs> Has point it been is tough that, with you uh, as far as being a fan in the Washington football area? <laughs> well, no, no, I'm a, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, but no uh, comment. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I can't. I can't. Well, I'm you work. You work. In the I'm not investigating anyone's offense uh, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. But no comment. Um, yes, yes, yes. But look, I think that. Uh, we all enjoy football. There's no doubt about it. Every, every member of my family enjoys football, my, my kids uh, and my wife and so forth. But, you know, one of the things that we expect is uh, for every employer, regardless of who they are, whether it's the NFL, whether it's uh, even a small business, to respect the rights of its employees. I think that's a, uh, a minimum expectation in, in 2021. That means, you know, making sure that for instance, women uh, are not discriminated against and they don't face a workplace like the one that was described at the Washington football team. That is, you know, I'm, a, I'm also a father of a daughter and, and that's something that makes me uh, especially personally um, concerned about. Well, when you look at what was uh, alleged in these reports from the Washington Post as far as uh, female employees uh, alleging that they were propositioned by male staffers, uh, not knowing exactly the process for reporting, allegedly being told where not to stand or places to go uh, inside the workplace. Uh, also, you know, allegedly having videos taken of them that were uh, in private quarters that they obviously did not, um, you know, uh, give permission for. There are definitely some disturbing things that have taken on here, but I definitely also appreciate you joining us on Undefined with Josine Anderson. We'll be looking forward to hearing um, what happens, especially on this deadline of November 4th and thereafter with regards to the request that you and Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney have set forth and whether you get the requested compliance from the National Football League. So uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, Jacina, and uh, thank you for your attention to this very important matter. All right, now, well, we appreciate Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy coming on Undefined with Josina Anderson. And as always, like we want to do with this program, we want to expand the conversation uh, to further discuss this topic. So time now for the broader scope. All right. So with that, we welcome in Washington football team insider Lake Lewis on Undefined with Josina Anderson to discuss the interview that we just had with Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy and the investigation that has taken place on the Washington Washington football team, rather, that you cover and the uh, gathering of the 650,000 emails as well. Uh, Lake, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it, Josina. So just first and foremost, uh, you, I want you to just kind of give me your assessment of the Washington football team as it stands now uh, with regards to the changes that have been made. Obviously, Larry Michael is no longer there. Uh, they made, um, you know, firings of Alex Santos and Richard Mann. You have a new team president, Jason Wright, uh, and obviously uh, new president and broadcaster, jo uh, Julie Donaldson, rather. Uh, what do you feel about the changes now with the team? 
I mean, there were changes that needed to be made uh, without question. And, uh, you know, I know Julie pretty well and, you know, she's, she's, you know, handling a lot, you know, it's um, a lot on her plate, you know, and um, she's up for the task and, and doing a decent job of it. Uh, you know, first female uh, ever, you know, to be on an NFL broadcast booth, you know, let alone, you know, first, first female ever to run the media department for a professional team. So, you know, it's a big task for her. Um, Jason Wright comes in and, uh, you know, first uh, ever African-American, you know, to be a, a team, you know, uh, president. So it's a lot, you know, this team has done. And a lot of people, you know, kind of scoffed at the changes initially, like they were forced changes that were to appease people, to appease the masses. But those are two quality, uh, you know, you know, qualified and capable people. And, um, you know, at times I feel bad for them, frankly, to be blunt about it, because they're they're walking into just a, a cesspool of, of junk, <laughs> honestly. And well, and I would say, Lake, really quickly, though, I think part of the reason why there is has been some, you know, questions. And obviously the NFL had the statement that it released as far as its own opinion with regards to the, the conclusion that it drew from the investigation and, and, and saying, obviously, they're not in line with some of the things that they found um you know, uh, in their review as well. But obviously, owner Daniel Snyder got the $10 million fine. Um, you know, his wife, Tanya, runs a day-to-day -day operations as well, but clearly he's still her husband. So I think when it comes to that, and there's no uh, written report, as there have been in other investigations that the NFL has done. So I think, you know, from that standpoint is where uh, people uh, illuminate those things. Oh, 100%. And I agree with you on that. And I agree with, you know, people who are skeptical um, because I'm skeptical, uh, you know, but, but of the two people that we were talking about previously, sure. I'm not, I, like I said, I just feel bad for them because no matter what is done, the owner's still the owner and, and, you know, Washington football fans will say that's the problem. That's that lies, you know, everything that has happened over the past almost three decades of his ownership, this organization, which was a once proud franchise, you're from this area, I'm from this area. You remember the, the glory days, the good old days, so to speak. And it's nothing close to that now. Um, you know, Ron Rivera's trying to change, quote unquote, the culture, but he's starting to now say some things that are rubbing a lot of us in the media and the fan base the wrong way. So it just seems like this is a franchise that just can't get out of the way of its own shadow. And I think when you make that uh, statement, uh, did we lose you, Lake? I'm still uh, here. <laughs> okay, but you're in the dark and uh, this program yeah. is not... <laughs> Can we get your picture or what happened to your phone? You still there? Lake, are you able to join us? All right, let's take off. You're muted right now. Hold on one second. I'm back. I apologize. Okay. Oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. So what I was saying is, is, um, you said that you had there were some issues that you guys are having amongst the media. I don't think you want to just say that and have it uh, hanging. So could you just uh, further explain that really quickly? Well, there's just mixed messages, you know, coming from the head coach's mouth. You know, there's no way to, to sugarcoat it. You know, we we all recognize that there's a professionalism that he's brought to this team, you know, as far as the way they practice, the way they, you know, are conducting themselves. And no one's ever going to take credit from him from that because he has done that. And I give him all the, all the credit in the world for that. Uh, but, you know, some of the, the personnel decisions that are being made, you know, don't make sense. At the end of the day, you get rid of a veteran kicker and you bring in a kicker that has never kicked in the NFL, let alone kicked a football in 
six years since going back to college where he wasn't the best kicker in college. So it just, those are the type of moves that make you scratch your head and, you know, you're moving players around different positions and things of that nature. You, some of your free agent acquisitions haven't lived up to the money that they've been given. You released some young players who played well last year. You, you didn't get anything in return for them. So it just, it just, some of the moves don't make sense. And I think mm-hmm. this fan base has seen this story so many times. They, they, they can smell, you know, something that stinks. <laughs> and right now, this isn't smelling too good here. Well, and I'm glad that you said that because what you're talking about, uh, you're clarifying that you meant from a football standpoint. And I just wanted Absolutely. to make sure that you weren't, you know, connecting that uh, in regards to the previous topic. Although when I was asking you about your opinion on the changes that were being made, it wasn't necessarily specifically talking about, even though I named those two and just putting it at those specific changes I was talking about as a whole, as it relates to, um, you know, the issues that were a part of the investigation. That's more yeah. so what I meant. Well, mm-hmm. In regards to that, uh, you know, Josina, I think that it, it obviously it's a touchy situ- situation. It, it really is, but it, it's an unfortunate situation. Nevertheless, that something like that went on and went on for a long time. You know, you you can't help but be around this organization and hear grumblings of things that have happened. Um, I had someone bring to light something to me, someone that was in that building. And, you know, you hear those things. And for it to come to light, it was just it's just a sad situation. It really is that you would think that, you know, in 2021, these things are happening. We know it happens. In light of the, the the emails and the league not wanting to put those things out, the league not wanting to have anything written as far as what was documented, we all know why they don't want that stuff written, because now you have a paper trail and a copy of it that can be literally put out there. Um, but really quickly, what did you make of, and last couple questions here, just the fact that uh, the commissioner kind of doubled down on uh, the amount of disclosure that they've had with regards to their finding, especially after, uh, you know, two former employees showed up at the um, owner's meeting requesting mm-hmm. more transparency and um, sending around copies of the letters that they sent to select uh, owners as well. What did you make of the doubling down of that really quickly? I mean, listen, we know that at the end of the day, these things don't want to be put out. A lot of, a lot of people in high, powerful places don't want these emails out, period. And the bottom line is because it's incriminating. <laughs> There's things in those emails that are going to get other people. And, and we all know from being around this, this, you know, this league and covering it, it does some good things, but it also does some shady things, too. I mean, there's no way of getting around it. And I mm-hmm. think in this situation, they don't want those emails surfacing because it's going to it's going to shed a light on some things that, you know, minorities have been dealing with in this league, whether media players, coaches, fans, whatever. Um, it's going to shed light on what women have dealt with in this league. And, you know, the league is trying to do things. It looks like from an appearance standpoint, you have, you know, several female coaches. Now you have several female referees. Now you have minorities and in, in higher roles. But. You know, again, when you relate it all to the product on the field, which is, you know, has a large percentage of African-American players, you don't you see the disparity in the coaching. You know, you Mm -hmm. do. So there's a lot more that needs to be done. But I think going back to those emails, those emails could shed light on why, you know, a guy like Eric B. hasn't been given a head coaching job when if that Mm -hmm. were any other coordinator that had taken a team to a Super Bowl, had one of the most prolific quarterbacks in league history and done all these great things, they'd be coaching by now. So I think some mm-hmm. of these emails don't come out because 
it may surface and shed light on the, the mm-hmm. views and viewpoints of people who are in high roles that don't look like us. And let's mm-hmm. call it what it is. And last question here, obviously, uh, the congressman was on here talking about uh, the letter that they sent to Roger Goodell that has a deadline of tomorrow to get the requested documents and answers to their questions. Uh, Really quickly, just what do you make of the fact that that is at this level right now, particularly when he told me that right now that the NFL has not complied per what he's saying, and then also, too, that they have uh, tools as far as like subpoena power to make them comply. Uh, What's your impression of it? being at this stage right now? I mean, it's it's real. <laughs> I mean, it's there and people want answers. You know, I think transparency is the best thing for everything. I mean, people want to know what is going on, what has happened, you know, because these things, if you don't, if you don't get to the bottom of it, if you, if you don't, if, if Congress doesn't move on this, if, it, if this doesn't get past the powers that be that can make a change and make them known, it can continue to happen. And, and, you know, you can get a lot of lip service that there's change, there's this, there's that. But with the way society is now, with all the changes that are going on in our world today, you, you want the most prominent sporting um, outlet, you know, in our country to, 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 to hold those same values as far as the changes that are being made, necessary changes in our society. So with that being said, um, you know, I'm all for it. I hope they get, they push as hard as they can to make these things come to light because I think it, everyone would be better for it in the long run. It's going to be a lot of hurt to know that stuff was being said and happened. But at the end of the day, those those players who were causing that pain will be removed from the equation. And that's what everybody wants at the end of the day. And by players, you mean, you know, relevant personnel. Relevant personnel. I understand what you mean. <laughs> and it's just like a league source said to me uh, and before this happened, just saying that, you know, maybe this is something that needs to happen. But Lake Lewis, we appreciate you joining us as a part of the broader scope segment on Undefined with Josina Anderson. We always look forward to your insight and we hope that you come back soon. Thank you, my friend. Sorry about the lights going out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is not Lake After Dark. All right, then. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to the Mojo segment where Morris Chestnut and I are going to go further into the discussion of Odell Beckham Jr., the Browns, and Baker Mayfield. All right, time now for the debut of the Mojo segment featuring your girl, Josina Anderson. And you recognize this guy from the crew. What up? What up, though? <laughs> of course, it and is. I'm in, my trailer. I'm in my trailer, okay? I know I don't have any pictures on my walls and all that. They are. It's a white background, okay? You don't need to at me on social media. He <laughs> ain't got nothing on his walls. Look where he at and all that stuff. I'm in my trailer. I'm at work. Yes, we don't notice the Gucci and Louis Vuitton background that you know oh, that yeah. you're hiding, trying to make it <laughs> so look more simple. No, no, no. But they might ask you on your opinion when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker yeah. Mayfield. So since we last talked about the fact that obviously Odell didn't get traded by the NFL trade deadline, the right. new news is is that woke up today uh, to a message that he was excused from practice today, did not go. So that's kind of escalating things a little bit different than just being on the team after not being traded. And the word is, you know, per my sources, is that at some point he's supposed to have a conversation with Browns Brass, which is to be expected, uh, specifically general manager Andrew Barry and what have you. So I'm just curious, what do you think about the fact that the team has taken this step when you consider all the events leading up to the NFL trade deadline, including which was very public, also his father, though not him, uh, reposting a video on Instagram with uh, him being open 
Well, clearly that that video that his father posted didn't sit well with the organization. It didn't sit well with, with with Baker Mayfield, probably. So the organization, I think they they've drawn a line in the sand and they've chosen a side, and it's clear that they, they've chosen Baker's side. Um, and, and to me, you know, listen, I'm always of the opinion. A lot of these players, a lot of times, they they stay loyal to a team, and this is why you don't because the team is always going to do what's in the best interest of the team. They could have easily traded Odell Beckham yesterday. Somebody would have wanted Odell Beckham, but they said, you know what? Instead of us getting something for Odell Beckham, we would rather go ahead and pay this man some money to not come in our locker room and, uh, and we're going to continue our business. And so I, you know, that type of stuff, I, you know, I'm, I'm always siding with the players on this. Well, first of all, I don't know how easy it is. Obviously, uh, Mr. Barry has to get compensation in exchange that he feels like is adequate for the value of Odell. So we weren't well, in the conversation. Why, why do you, I don't know what we're talking about. It's easy. They're, they're, it's, they're not paying. They're paying him not to come to the locker room. I mean, what type of company? They get no conversation for, for now. I mean, for for None. today, he's excused. I mean, we don't. We'll have to see how things, you know, transpire from there. Obviously, he has a say in those conversations as to what he feels like is, um, you know, just the impact of being Joe, excused. What? Joe, apparently not. If they told the man not to come to work. For today, for right now, um, uh, listen, listen, obviously his status needs to be discussed. You know, the ramifications of having this happen need to be discussed. I don't, I don't know that I would say the Browns took the side of Baker. Maybe obviously Baker nor any one of his members put out, you know, a video, but it, uh, obviously too look, the communication is not where it should be. Baker Mayfield acknowledged as much when he spoke to the to the press, just noting that things can always be improved. Um, but clearly, anybody with two eyes can see that the connection is not there. And, and, and we have talked about, especially just from things that I've heard, that there are times when the offense is being operated that Odell is the primary look for that call and the ball isn't going. Is that, That's not always the case. And there are times when Odell has made, you know, some drops as well. But you know, at this, but listen, one target, one reception for six yards against a Pittsburgh Steelers, that, that's just not acceptable. I, not no matter insane. whatever way you slice that. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> listen, I know Odell may has dropped, may have dropped a few passes, but they're just not in sync as a number one court, a number one option, uh, mm -hmm. as a wide receiver and a quarterback should be. And so sometimes he's probably going out for passes, not even expecting the ball to come to him, and that's when it comes. And yes, he should be ready at all times, but they're just not. In sync. Okay, and so if you were running on the treadmill for 50 minutes and all of a sudden, you know, somebody handed you something out of nowhere, would you be ready for it? My point is, is that that's a oh, lot no. of routes to be running for a ball to come your one way. I'm going to be one time. But that's your job. For that's anybody, your job. not just and, Odell. Not, huh? Yeah, for anybody. Yeah, for anybody. Listen, <laughs> I'm not coming down on Odell on this. I understand mm -hmm. what he's saying. There's sometimes, there's sometimes when I'm at work, and I don't feel like, you know, maybe I, I'm not on my lines like I should because I had a lot of time off. But I need mm -hmm. to come to work ready to deliver my lines. And spending I spending too much that, in the gym, you know, doing your preacher curls like, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're doing preacher curls. <laughs> <laughs> what comes next after you tell somebody, don't come to work? Can you well, imagine? You have, what you does that message does that send to the locker room? What message does that send to my teammates? Why are they telling him not to come to work? Was he complaining? Was he complaining about us? Was it, why are they telling him not to come to work? They are creating an issue if there was not one. There is an issue, and they've chosen a side. That's all well, I'm saying. Just like right. in relationships, marriages, you know, employee relationships, whatever, conversations are there to be had to see if you can, you know, make improvements on 
the rapport and we'll just see what his status is, you know, from tonight moving forward. But my final question to you is based on what has transpired so far, what would you do with Odell? Cause obviously you didn't trade him. And the only way to either do this is to move forward or to release him. <laughs> right. Well, listen, listen, I, I, I have to say, this is where I can say, I understand both sides. I think mm -hmm. that they should have they should have given a better effort to trade him. I don't know what their efforts were if they did if they didn't. So I, I you know I think that if they trade him, someone would have been in there to take him. But I know they're not going to release him. You release Odell, he ends up in Baltimore, he ends up in Kansas City, Buffalo, somewhere that's going to um, you know push Cleveland further away from the playoffs. They know they're going to make a mistake and they don't want to have to deal with that. So I think that's why they're not going to release him. And that could be why they didn't trade him. Maybe someone in the AFC, um, maybe they offered him offered a great package. The man is a special talent in the NFL, period, mm -hmm. point blank. No other questions, no other, no other issues. He's a special talent in the NFL. You have to get special talent the ball. And rem remember when I tell you this, yeah. this is going to be very similar because mm -hmm. everybody's talking about, well, he hasn't done this in a couple of years. This is going to be very similar to the Randy Moss situation when he went to the Raiders. He left the Raiders and went to the Patriots and and and, and showed out. This mm -hmm. gonna same thing is gonna happen to Odell Beckham Watch. He's gonna go to a system that mm -hmm. appreciates his talents and they're gonna get him the ball and he's gonna show the F out. All righty then, Morris. Well, we appreciate those comments and that mojo segment. And to end the show, we are going to do my JoJo take. So really quickly to end the show, I just wanted to highlight a tweet that I saw a few hours ago from Adam Schefter in which he said this, according to police, Tina O. Tinter was the name of the Las Vegas woman who died with her dog in the wrecked and burned Toyota RAV4. Records show she lived uh, several blocks from where the crash occurred on a busy throughway in a residential area several miles west of the Strip. First and foremost, I just wanted to express my very, very deep condolences to the Tinter family. I actually could not sleep very much last night. I was thinking about uh, this woman and obviously her dog who was not anticipating uh, losing her life, obviously, and neither the family and just how abruptly life can get snuffed away just in a blink of an eye uh, based on a decision you know, from other people. And also clearly um, Henry Ruggs is, as we were speaking of, the the former now wide receiver from the Raiders who was involved in that fiery crash. His girlfriend also was hospitalized as well, definitely extending condolences out to her family and hope that she has, um, you know, a speedy uh, recovery uh, and a well recovery as well. But I just wanted to say that this is such a, a tragic event and that I hope that people take more care when they're behind a wheel. Obviously, I know that an investigation is still uh, going on, but it is just it is just senseless, particularly when you know that the NFL and NFLPA have a system for the players to uh, get an Uber, to get home, no matter what the situation is. Uh, definitely not impugning the cause at this point, as I know uh, Henry Ruggs' attorney are still uh, asking for people to wait for the conclusion of their investigation. But clearly the result of this is a loss of life. And he is, uh, you know, booked in a detention center. And none of this is what anybody uh, would say is good. 
So, you know, to the Tinter family, uh, to the family of Henry Ruggs' girlfriend, and obviously even to Ruggs' family who was dealing with the situation, express my deep condolences as we, uh, you know, just don't want to see something like this happen to anybody, uh, regardless of whether they are a player in the NFL or just a human being in general. Anyways, this has been Josine Anderson with Undefined with Josine Anderson Season 2, and we hope that you guys will join us next week.